are Locked On Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, 12. This is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked On Seahawks. Joining me is always my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. We are officially shifting into off-season mode. Going to be a longer off-season than what we're used to with the Seahawks not being in the postseason, finishing last place in the NFC West. At least they finished the year off on a strong note with two wins to close out the campaign. But now we can start talking free agency and eventually the draft and all of the other things that go on during the off-season as teams try to prepare for their upcoming season. So we'll be starting to dive into that a little bit today, getting some feedback from our listeners on which free agents they think should be the top priorities for the Seahawks to re-sign when the league year starts in March. And of course, our last Tell the Truth Tuesday of the 2021 season, sharing some hot takes, maybe some predictions heading into the offseason and heading towards the 2022 campaign. As always, we greatly appreciate you making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. This podcast is brought to you by OnlineGambling.com, the place to be for all the latest gambling news and tips throughout the NFL playoffs. Visit OnlineGambling.com slash NFL to get the edge over the competition for this year's playoffs. Now for your lead story here on Locked on Seahawks. The 2021 season just ended less than 48 hours ago. The Seahawks beating the Cardinals 38-30, but since they won't be playing in the postseason, getting an early start on the offseason, and that means it's time to start looking towards the 2022 schedule. Once the season's over, all of the opponents for the upcoming season become known, and obviously we won't know the actual schedule until mid-May, but we do know which opponents the Seahawks will be playing at home and which ones they will be playing on the road, and the nice thing going into next season for all the NFC teams, with the schedule now being an odd number of games, this year they had to play nine road games, Next year, fans will get to enjoy nine home games at Lumen Field. Yeah, that's, that's the most exciting part about it, Corbin, is uh, you know you know how well the Seahawks have played at home historically. You, you know what, uh, you know, Lumen Field can just be that, that huge advantage uh, that the Seahawks have been able to kind of play to and cater to in the past. And so to be able to have nine games at home, only eight games on the road, that is obviously exciting. And I just love the way that the Seattle schedule sets up from a home perspective. I mean, there these are a lot of winnable football games, at least when it comes to just looking at teams on the screen. And those of you who are viewing us on YouTube right now, you can see that the home games are going to be, of course, the three divisional opponents, the Arizona Cardinals, Los Angeles Rams, San Francisco 49ers, as well as the Carolina Panthers, Atlanta Falcons, Denver Broncos, Las Vegas Raiders, New York Giants, and the New York Jets. Now, the flip side, however, as excited as one might be about the home schedule, the away schedule is pretty formidable considering that Seattle finished with the fourth place spot in the NFC West division. Again, you have those three teams that are the divisional opponents. You have to go away to Arizona, to the Los Angeles Rams, to the San Francisco 49ers. And then also you have, you have to travel to the New Orleans Saints, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Kansas City Chiefs, the Los Angeles Chargers, and the Detroit Lions. And so, 
Corbin, that would be the biggest concern I have is this looks like a very weighted schedule from Seattle's perspective as far as home games. I think there's a possibility that this is a team that, that, that could maybe not go undefeated at home, but damn near there. But that away schedule is pretty formidable. The one thing I always have to throw out here when we're looking at upcoming schedules is all of these teams are going to look significantly different when the schedules come out in May and they'll look different when the actual season starts. And so we don't know teams like the Atlanta Falcons, for example, they might have a really good successful off season, have a great draft, get some really good players in free agency. Atlanta finished with seven wins this year. Maybe they take a jump and they're in the playoff hunt next season or a team like Denver. Maybe Aaron Rodgers is playing quarterback for the Broncos next season. That is something that could happen. If that happens, Denver suddenly is a very formidable-looking team in the AFC West. The Raiders are a playoff team. The two New York teams, they've really struggled for like a decade, but the Jets have a young quarterback in Zach Wilson they want to build around. Maybe they make a big jump next year. The Giants have some individual pieces. They'll have a new head coach. Carolina, they started 3-0 this year and then just fell apart after that point. I've always been a big fan of Matt Rule, but it's been a struggle for him so far in Carolina. And I was actually kind of surprised he didn't get canned on Black Monday yesterday, but he's going to be back for a third season. That is a schedule that shapes up well at home, but I agree with you on the road. Probably the worst game in terms of opponent that they have on here is the Detroit Lions. And Detroit really played well down the stretch this year. Seattle beat them up pretty good a few weeks back, but they played much better football late in the season. They've got a coach they believe in, and Dan Campbell. There's some really good young talent there. If they have another good offseason, another good draft, the Lions could be a sleeper to get to around the 500 mark. So that is not going to be an easy road game either. And the rest of that gauntlet going up against Tom Brady and the Buccaneers, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, the three NFC West playoff teams. Yeah, that is a gauntlet when you look at the road schedule. The home schedule is much more favorable, but still, as I said, we don't know what these teams are going to look like. Maybe Tom Brady retires after this season. Who knows? There's always uncertainty going into an offseason in the NFL, and a number of these teams are going to look dramatically different next year. I would expect your teams like the Chiefs are still going to be upper echelon contenders, but again, the NFL changes so much year to year that it only means so much to look at a schedule eight months before it actually starts when you know there's free agency in a draft. Nonetheless, based off of the way these teams played this year, you would think that the home schedule looks pretty darn good for the Seahawks. They just got to finish games there. They really struggled to win games at home this season. If they can find a way to have a few more bounces go their way and really play to the crowd, then maybe they have a chance of getting back to the postseason in part because they have a very favorable home schedule. Yeah, again, that, that's the biggest thing is you have more home games this year uh, or this upcoming season than you did the past year. And so that is in your back pocket. And as you said, Corbin, I mean, the, you know, it, it's difficult to anticipate exactly what NFL teams are going to look like eight, nine months down the road. Um, you know, with the NFL draft with unrestricted free agency with the, uh, all the questions that pop up in terms of injuries, of course, COVID having some kind of impact, who knows what's, what's going to happen a year from down the road from now. Um, but we are just finishing one of the most, you know, crazy seasons in NFL history where it just, it felt like every single game you had to wait up until 
you know, darn near game time before you actually knew who was going to be active for NFL teams. So, yeah, that does look like a very formidable road, uh, you know, schedule that the Seahawks have to face. But at the same time, if the Seahawks are going to be as good as I think that they could be, and I mean like the digital champion and, and competing for a high place in the playoffs, then I want to face those teams. I want to see what you can do against Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I want to face that New Orleans defense and whoever they may have at the quarterback position, Kansas City Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes, et cetera, et cetera. Let's see what you got, because if the Seahawks are actually going to be able to make a run, and again, I absolutely believe that they could make a significant run in 2022, then you have to be tested. And so to me, that's one of the reasons why I love Seattle's schedule moving forward. I think that it is competitive and exciting from a home fan perspective. I love the gauntlet of games that Seahawks fans are going to be able to see and just the talent they're going to be able to see at Lumen Field. And I love the tests that at least right now it looks like they're going to have to face on the road as well. And from a personal perspective, I'm going to have a number of stadiums that I have never been to that I get to cross off my list. I've never been to New Orleans. I've been to L.A.'s new stadium to see the Rams and really seeing the Chargers there. You might as well see a Rams game because they don't have any fans in L.A. But nonetheless, going to get a chance to go to a few stadiums that I haven't gotten to go to. And so that's always fun from a reporter's perspective. So already itching, chomping at the bit here, waiting for the 2022 schedule. We got a long ways to go until these games are going to be here. But nonetheless, as we've mentioned, home schedule looks like it could be beneficial to the Seahawks. The road schedule is going to be pretty darn difficult, even with a fourth place schedule going into the 2022 season. It's our final Tell the Truth Tuesday of the 2021 season. Rob and I are going to be dishing our hot takes here in a moment. People think unusual circumstances mean complicated taxes, but for TurboTax Live experts, that's what makes things interesting. Life changes are exciting, and they usually have tax implications. Maybe you were a full-time employee who decided to freelance, and now you need some advice on how to file as a contractor. Maybe you started driving rideshare after your 9-to-5 job, or maybe you work in one state but live in another and you need help reporting your income. Luckily, TurboTax Live has experienced experts dedicating to answering all of your tax questions and finding every deduction for you. And you can talk to them from your phone without ever having to leave your house. Whether you get married, have kids, or change careers, TurboTax Live experts are ready to help you with your unique tax situation and get you the best tax outcome. To TurboTax Live experts, an interesting life can mean an even greater refund. Visit TurboTax.com to learn more. You do your thing. They've got your taxes. Intuit TurboTax Live. We are getting close to tax season. That's something I'm necessarily excited about. So let's talk football now. The Seahawks heading into off-season mode with their season-ending 38-30 win over the Cardinals on Sunday. Glad to have you listening in for our Tell the Truth Tuesday episode, the final one of the season, as we do each and every week. Rob, we're going to dish out some predictions or some hot takes, just some generalized statements. It could be from Sunday's game. It could be looking back at the season reflection, or it could be looking forward towards this offseason or the 2022 season. So time to start picking your brain a little bit. What's the first thing that comes to mind for our final Tell the Truth Tuesday of the 2021 season? Well, you know, Corbin, to me, the very first thing um, is along the Seattle's offensive line. 
And uh, I think that, um, that it'd be really easy to, to suggest as, as many have um, that, that Seattle's biggest area of concern is along the offensive line. You have to be able to protect Russell Wilson. You have to be able to run the football. And I would tell you that having evaluated the last couple of games, I am so encouraged by what Seattle has shown with Phil Haynes at the guard position, Jake Curran at the right tackle position, that to me, those are two of the bigger concerns I think that the Seahawks had to be thinking about addressing in that April draft. You know, when everybody else is thinking about TurboTax and, and paying their taxes, I'm thinking NFL draft in April. And, and I thought a month ago that the offensive line would be their biggest priority. But I, I am now been a little bit reassured that Seattle does have starters already on their roster. They're going to have to be able to retain Phil Haynes. They're going to have to be able to, you know, get, get Phil, uh, Jake Curhan in the weight room. I think that he can get stronger at the point of attack. But at the same time, I do feel very confident that Seattle has the guys already in place along the offensive line. Jake Curhan and Phil Haynes played well, and a lot of people are talking about it. They played better that a lot of people are even anticipating because if you watch them on tape, they are moving people at the point of attack in the running game and play pretty damn well in the pass protection as well. Those are starters that Seattle can build around right now. Speaking of a starter, the Seahawks can build around. I've talked a lot about Jordan Brooks this season. It's probably not the first time I've mentioned him in a tell the truth Tuesday segment, but I'm going to throw his name out there again. I'm making a prediction for my first take today. And this is with or without Bobby Wagner on the roster. We don't know what's going to happen with number 54, but I can assure you one thing, that number 56 is going to become the second Seahawks middle linebacker in franchise history to be named to an all-pro team, and it's happening next year. I think that we have seen this kid already go out and make 180 tackles. We've seen him make improvements in coverage. He started to do a better job of reading screens. I think he's just scratching the surface on what he can do in those last two things I mentioned, though. He's already an elite run defender. I'm just thinking about a play on Sunday that Kyler Murray made a perfect throw to tight end Zach Ertz, but Jordan Brooks was all over him in coverage. The only thing that he didn't do was get his hand on the football. It was just a fantastic throw by Kyler Murray. I think you're going to start seeing those plays turn into pass breakups, and we might even see Jordan Brooks start getting his hands on a few interceptions. He was really close this year several times. I think that's the next jump in his game, and if he becomes a reliable cover linebacker to go with his runs, run defending skills, his blitzing skills, this kid could be an all-pro, not just next year, but he could be like Bobby Wagner in the sense that this is a guy that could become a perennial all-pro. He's got that kind of talent, and he's just scratching the surface right now in his sophomore season. He, he is just scratching the surface. That's one of the most exciting things about the Seahawks as, a, as an entire roster is, is just what the talent that Jordan Brooks has. I, I think that the other linebacker position, and now, you know, we, we have an off season to kind of debate and, and converse about what's going to happen with Bobby Wagner, but let, let's have a conversation real quickly about Cody Barton. I think the fact that he had 12 tackles this past week against the Arizona Cardinals was pretty damn impressive against the Detroit Lions a week previous to that when he got pushed into the, 
the, the starting spot essentially with Bobby Wagner going out in the very first game or very first play of that game. I think that it's really easy to say, hey, Cody Barton has arrived. And he has arrived in the standpoint that he is a reliable open field tackler. He is instinctive. Uh, he is athletic. And I think that all those things match up so very, very well in today's modern day NFL, where they everybody wants to throw the ball. And, and his experience at that rover position at Utah, you, you can just see how athletic, how instinctive that he is in coverage. At the same time, my biggest concern with Cody Barton has always been, I just don't know that he's got the sand in his pants to be able to really hit guys at the point of attack. And he did that a little bit against the Arizona Cardinals. But at the same time, I also saw a couple of times where he got drove, driven backwards. And you consider the fact that this is the NFC West division where you have to go through San Francisco. That, that is still a team that's going to run the football right down your throat. Uh, and, and so to me, middle linebacker if the Seahawks are in fact going to go away from Bobby Wagner and again that's a conversation we'll have later but I think that Cody Barton is a good player I don't know that he's a great player he is not in my opinion in the Jordan Brooks conversation he certainly is not in the Bobby Wagner category so to me linebacker continues to be a little bit of a concern Cody Barton a good player but I don't know that he is the starter that Seattle needs, at least not the difference maker that I think that the Seattle needs at that linebacker position. We're going to keep talking defense because I'm going to go up to the defensive line, in particular the pass rushers. And Pete Carroll talked about it in his final press conference yesterday that the biggest issue that the Seahawks need to address, in his opinion, they need to continue improving this pass rush. And I agree. When you look at the defense, to me, that is the biggest area of concern now, Carlos Dunlap, the way that he played the last four or five games, if you can bottle that up and he can do that for most of the 2022 season and Daryl Taylor takes a big leap forward like I think he's going to do, this is already going to be a formidable pass rush just led by those two. And you're going to have Alton Robinson back. I still have high expectations for him, even though he was pretty quiet most of this season. You're going to have those three back. Who knows who else is going to be there? But I think that the Seahawks are one elite pass rusher away from being a top three, top five defense in the league as currently constructed. We saw the improvements in the secondary. We know Jamal Adams is going to be back healthy. The linebackers, there maybe are some questions there if you move on from Bobby Wagner, but Cody Barton's played well enough along with Jordan Brooks. You would still think that that's going to be a pretty solid group. And up front, they've got some pieces, but to me, Finding that elite edge rusher that can consistently turn up the heat on people. And maybe Carlos Dunlap can still be that guy. He talked about not being used properly and having to have a meeting with the coaches after the bye week. And really, it's not surprising that his production suddenly changed after that. But nonetheless, he's going to be 33 years old. He's going to be entering his 13th season. So you don't know what you're going to get from him. He's still going to have to have a reduced workload because of his age to keep him fresh. I think you got to go out and get somebody like a Chandler Jones or a Von Miller, steal them from an NFC West team. They might not be in their prime anymore, but these are still two dudes that can get after the quarterback, get double-digit sacks. Jones would be the one that I would love to see teaming up with Daryl Taylor and Carlos Dunlap. You put those three together, that's going to be a nightmare for quarterbacks that play the Seahawks in 2022. And I think that makes the rest of this defense that much better. You keep your two cornerbacks on the outside. Again, as constructed, this is the missing piece. They need one more elite pass rusher, and this can be a dominant defense. Maybe not like the Legion of Boom teams, but it can be a top three, top five defense in the NFL next season. 
It, it could be. If Seattle's able to get somebody like that, a Von Miller or Chandler Jones, I mean, my goodness, yes. That that could be absolutely incredible. It could be, as you said, a nightmare for opposing offensive lines. Speaking of a nightmare, I, I think that if Seattle is able to get the consistent production from D. Eskridge, then that could be a nightmare for opposing defenses, especially considering just the monster that, that DK Metcalf is, the, the reliability that the Tyler Lockett is, and, and some of the splash plays, frankly, we've seen from Freddie Swain as well. But, you know, I've been really, really intrigued with what I've seen from D. Eskridge. I know it's a limited sample set, but at the same time, the power, his ability to be able to break tackles, certainly the straight line speed, the, the, the strong hands, uh, you know, to me, it's it's almost similar to what you you just mentioned with Daryl Taylor. We saw, at least I saw, evaluating him at the University of Tennessee as well at the Senior Bowl. I I knew that this guy could play. I knew it was only a matter of time, assuming he was healthy, that he would be able to come in to Seattle and be a productive pass rusher. And we are seeing that play out. Well, guys, I I've seen guys and ladies. I, I have seen enough from D. Eskridge that I can promise you that this guy is going to make a significant impact for the CX once he truly understands Seattle's offense, once they truly understand what he can do. This guy has that type of talent. So to me, that's one of the exciting things about this is obviously you would rather the Seahawks be playing in the playoffs right now. But at the same time, they've got a young wide receiver who I think could be special for this team. And I cannot wait to the 2022 season because I think that D. Eskridge is about to show what he can do to the rest of the NFL. And you would think the way Rashad Penny played the last five or six games that maybe fans would take a step back and think, you know, he missed seven games of the concussion and he had a couple other minor injuries. He was just put behind the eight ball, wasn't able to get involved, but they're already throwing the bust label out with him being their first pick from this last year. Way too early to do that. And this kid had some plays where you could see the athleticism. They just got to find a way to get him more involved and, and he's got to be more comfortable with the offense. So I agree with you. I still think there's a lot of upside there. Fans need to be patient. If he has another really rough season with injuries, then maybe the narrative changes a little bit. But it's way too early to suddenly come out and say, this guy's not going to pan out. We've seen some plays that show what he can do. They just got to get him more involved in offense and on special teams. My last take, real simple on offense. You mentioned Phil Haynes, Jake Curhan earlier. I can see both of them being part of the Seahawks offensive line in the future. But I still think the center position, and this is not knocking Ethan Posick. I think he played well the last three or four games for the Seahawks and overall really had a pretty good second half for the team. And his communication ability helped everybody else on that line when he replaced Kyle Fuller going back into the lineup. But I still view Ethan Posick as a spot starter, a guy that can play both guard spots. He can play tackle if you need him to. Obviously can play center. I just don't see him as a guy, though, that is a 16-17 game a year starter at center. I still think that that is the one position on offense that they absolutely need to find an upgrade, whether that's in free agency or the draft. That doesn't mean you don't bring Posick back. Again, having him as your sixth or seventh lineman with his versatility and his starting experience with injuries that happen during the season, he's going to get some snaps. He's going to have to play some for you, and he's shown he can do that. I just I don't know, though, that he is the starter, the full-time guy at this point. So I still think center is the biggest need on offense for the Seahawks, even after the way Ethan Posick played here down the stretch, particularly 
particularly in pass protection, no pressures in the last three games. We're going to shift gears now to free agency. Ethan Posick being one of 15 players slated to become an unrestricted free agent when the new league year opens in March. We're going to get some input from many of our listeners on which players they would prioritize signing in free agency. Seahawks fans, make sure to check out this incredible app everyone who buys gaps who buys gas needs to know about. It's called Get Upside. My listeners are making up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free Get Upside app in the App Store or Google Play right now and use the promo code TOUCHDOWN to get a bonus 25 cents per gallon on your first fill up. That's up to 50 cents cash back. Don't pay full price of the pump anymore. Get cash back using Get Upside. Download the app for free and use the promo code TOUCHDOWN to get up to 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as two to 300 bucks a month in cash back, and there's no catch. The cash gets added right back to your account. You can cash it out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, or an e-gift card from Amazon and other brands. Download the free GetUpside app and use the promo code TOUCHDOWN to get up to 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. We're all looking for an edge these days, and I'd like to thank OnlineGambling.com for sponsoring today's podcast. If you don't know already, OnlineGambling.com is a website dedicated to giving gamblers the edge. Throughout the playoffs, they're providing you with the best NFL tips, news, and more to help you make your bets as informed as ever. OnlineGambling.com gives gamblers the edge by providing the best and most trusted experience online all day, every day inspiring every gambler in the world to beat the odds. Don't make emotional decisions with your hard-earned dollars. Make informed decisions instead with the information sourced by experts. Be sure to consult OnlineGambling.com before placing your bets. OnlineGambling.com is on a mission to be the world's most empowering gaming and betting site, giving gamblers the edge they need by providing the best and most trusted experience online all day, every day. OnlineGaming.com is inspiring every gambler in the world to beat the odds. So go to OnlineGambling.com and check out the latest NFL playoff news and tips on how you can get the edge. Make sure to check out OnlineGambling.com slash NFL for all the latest gambling news and tips to give you the edge you need throughout the postseason. Remember OnlineGambling.com slash NFL to make the most of this year's playoffs. You're listening to our Tuesday episode of Locked On Seahawks. I'm your host, Corbin Smith, joined as always by Rob Rang. Thanks, as always, for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We're going to have a lot of time to talk about free agency here the next couple of months until the start of the league year in mid-March. So we'll obviously be diving into this several episodes along the way. But it's time to start taking a first look at which players will be unrestricted free agents for the Seahawks. They will have 15 of them to be exact. There's some big names out there. Quandre Diggs, DJ Reed, Sidney Jones, Dwayne Brown, Will Disley, a number of guys that have started a lot of games for the Seattle Seahawks that are going to be unrestricted free agents. And maybe a few of these guys agree to new contracts with the Seahawks before the start of the new league year. I would assume a few of them will, but it's assured that some of these guys will test the market and they're going to look to see if there are any other teams that will give them offers that are better than what the Seahawks will provide. And so that what makes this time of year interesting and intriguing. And to kickstart the festivities, this is something you and I really enjoy doing, just kind of the, the pulse of the 12. How do the fans feel about this free agent class and which players should be prioritized? So, Rob, I posed the question, 
which three players, if you could only re-sign three players, I think the Seahawks will re-sign more than that, but if you can only choose three players, who would be the three that you would prioritize re-signing for the 2022 season and why? I posed that question on social media today and got a number of great responses. We're going to start with this first one from Chris Phillips, who said, Quandre Diggs, because he's a leader on the team. DJ Reed, we can't keep rebooting the quarterback position. He's been a top corner in the league. We need to keep him. And then his third one was Rashad Penny. He showed why he was a first-round pick and provided some of the most consistent running we've had in years. So two secondary players brought back and keeping your running back that was setting records here over the last month and a half once he was finally healthy. Yeah, I think it's hard to disagree with that that, that trio of players for Seattle to bring back. I would say this, uh, with, with both DJ Reed and Sidney Jones, Seattle's most reliable starting outside corners this season, um, both of them are unrestricted free agents. Both of them were, were basically cast aside by the teams that selected them earlier in their NFL careers. And the 2022 NFL draft Corbin is as deep and as talented as cornerback and as I've, I've ever seen. And I've been doing this for 21 years. So I can promise you that is part of the thinking that John Schneider and Pete Carroll will be kind of keeping into consideration. This is a team that has shown an ability to be able to find late round quality cornerbacks. So as excited as I am about DJ Reed and Sidney Jones, I would love, love, love to see them back for the Seahawks. At the same time, I also think that if they get in, in you know interest on the free agent market and, and their agents are looking for big dollars, I don't know that the Seattle wouldn't be interested in just kind of looking for a younger, also gifted cornerback to replace them. Look at our next one here. This one coming from three-time vaxxed to the max. First, he says, unless there is a starting left tackle hiding in the weeds, got to give Dwayne Brown another contract. DJ Reed, bring him in long-term. Dude is the best corner to play for the Seahawks since Richard Sherman. And then added, as much as I want to keep Diggs or Rashad Penny, I want Sidney Jones back opposite of Reed. So kind of going off your point here, uh, in this particular case, this listener wants both starting cornerbacks back and feels they've earned their contracts. And I can see why you could make an argument for both of them. You mentioned the draft class being deep. Maybe they're not going to get offers in free agency like they would some years because of that. If that's the case, the Seahawks might think, you know what? They're both 25 and under. They're cheaper. Let's just bring them back. So that's what's going to make this offseason so exciting. Next one here coming from Jed Cooper said Dwayne Brown first because he's an average, above average left tackle that is used to Russell Wilson. And then also said DJ Reed and Sydney because it's tough to find corners and they both played well. Listed off several other names after that, but I'm going to put this disclaimer out. If you put more than three names, I'm not reading the rest of them because that would be cheating. So we're going to move on from that one here. And this is one that I think that will be interesting because it's got a few different names on it. This one coming from BK said Rashad Penny, DJ Reed, and Gerald Everett as the three choices. First time we've had Gerald Everett on this list. And then said Sidney Jones was a close fourth. And he said it kills me to have Quandre, Liggs, Quandre Diggs off this list but he's going to command 13 plus million per year. Having 31 million APY tied up in the safety position is a bad move. If you can get him for a discount, then maybe. 
So that's a really interesting perspective here. We've seen digs on most of our lists up to this point, but in this particular case, letting him hit free agency and letting him walk. Well, and that is one of the, the huge conversations that the, the Seahawks are going to have to have. Um, and, and I am really intrigued to see what type of offers that Quandre Diggs is going to get in undrafted or unrestricted free agency, obviously because of the injury sustained against the Arizona Cardinals. That was a significant injury. Quandre Diggs is not an old man, but he's not a young pup either. Um, and, and so it's going to be interesting. This is a, a quality safety class. It's not as good as a cornerback. Um, and I would argue that running back is really strong as well. One of the reasons why Seattle could decide to get cute if Rashad Penny is able to land some type of massive deal in free agency. Then again, I think that there are quality running backs available in this year's draft class. And we know that the Seattle Seahawks are willing to invest early round draft picks at that position. Uh, so to me, that's one of the things that's going to be fascinating. To me, one of the, the the most interesting things about this conversation here, Corbin, and, and just listening to what the fans are thinking, because I think that they are absolutely hitting the nail on the head in most cases. I think that you see the consistency that Seattle should, at least in the opinions of many fans and in myself as well, should be considering bringing back Dwayne Brown. This is a pretty solid offensive tackle class. But at the same time, I just don't know that any 2022-year-old 20, rookie is going to have Russell Wilson's confidence in terms of blocking his blind side. And Dwayne Brown certainly has that. And one of the things I also thought was fascinating, I think that this is interesting because the 2022 draft class is not especially formidable at defensive tackle. And considering what Al Woods was able to provide the Seahawks this season, I think that Al Woods is a sneaky priority for the Seahawks to retain, even though at his age, he's going to be 35 years old. But still, my goodness, what a formidable player he was for the Seahawks at time this year as well. Yeah, Woods was on a few of our lists that we had. Obviously, we can't get to all of them because it would be a 50-minute show if we tried to read all the responses that we got. But there were certainly some fans that put Al Woods on that list. I even saw one listener that put Robert Kimdiche down on the list of three players based off what he did on Sunday against his former team, the Cardinals. I would not go that far, and I would think re-signing him would be pretty easy if they want to bring him back. Not going to be a player that's in super high demand. He didn't even play for anybody in 2020. But it's always interesting seeing lists like this when you're stuck with just three players because Seattle does have, I would say they have nine or ten free agents minimum out of these 15 that you'd really like to have back next season. And it's weird saying that when you're coming off a seven and ten campaign. But again, it paints the picture. You know, this team has some talent. On both sides of the football, they've got some younger players that have started a lot of games that are going to be hitting the free agent market that you'd like to bring back. And continuity matters in this league. So real quick, Rob, again, you and I are both going to have opportunities to weigh in on this over the next several months before actual free agency arrives. And we will take much deeper dives looking at all 15 of these unrestricted free agents. We'll look at the restricted free agents. We'll even look at exclusive rights free agents, even though they're going to be back in Seattle if the Seahawks want them. We'll be looking at all those players during the offseason. But real quick, if you had to only pick three players, who would be the three that you would be signing from this group of 15? 
Well, it's obviously a much more complicated question than than you're posing here, Corbin, because we, it, it, you know, you have to compare apples to apples, and, and who is going to be allocated what kind of dollars? How is Quandre Diggs' recovery from injury, you know, going? Things like that. But if you just said, okay, well, let's just assume they are going to sign for what the reasonable amount of money that we're anticipating. I think that Quandre Diggs is just too important. You have to bring him back. I think that Dwayne Brown, his reliability, the left tackle position, you have to bring him back. And I just love what the Seahawks received from Rashad Penny over the last month of the season. I think you absolutely have to bring him back, perhaps even as your number one priority in the offseason. Yeah, my list is going to be a little different than yours, and you'll be surprised because me being the running back guy and, and being a huge fan of Rashad Penny coming out of San Diego State, I would love to see Seattle bring him back, but he's not going to be in my top three just because I'm looking at positional importance here in terms of what the Seahawks might be able to get otherwise. I do like this running back draft class. That does not mean you don't bring Penny back. I'm still trying to make it happen, but for me – uh, Quandre Diggs has got to be number one. And as you mentioned, this is a significant injury, but he's expected to make a full recovery. No ligament damage. That's great news for him. This is a guy that has earned that big contract and free safety is critical in Pete Carroll's defense. You've got to have that center fielder that can hawk the football. And we know Quandre Diggs is as good as anybody at that. I think he's got another two or three really good seasons left in at minimum. So I'm putting the money into him. I know it's a lot of money to safety position, but Safety is just so valuable in this defensive scheme. Seattle needs elite players at both those spots, and they've paid elite players over the years at both those spots. So I'll have Quandre Diggs, and I think Dwayne Brown would also be on my list at number two. Where you and I differ here, though, instead of Rashad Penny, i got to go to the secondary with DJ Reed. I think he has earned a multi-year contract. When you consider the way he played the second half a year ago, and then this season, once they sent him back to the right side, his natural position, just to throw a few numbers out here for you, Rob, passer rating against him from week four on was under 50. Completion percentage against him, under 50. He was near the top of the NFL among qualified corners for giving up minimum yardage on receptions. He had seven pass breakups, two interceptions, and he didn't give up a single touchdown during that span. He has proven that you don't need to be six foot two to play outside corner for the Seahawks, and he's been fantastic. He's only going to be 25 years old. He's got a lot of great football in front of him, and he just fits the mentality the Seahawks love on defense. I just I think you got to resign him or Jones minimum. I would be exploring re-signing both of them because I don't think that they're going to break the bank, especially Sidney Jones. But DJ Reed would be my pick just with his versatility to play in the slot too. He's returned kicks. He would be a guy to me with that positional versatility would be in my top three. But as you said, there's a number of guys we both omitted from our, from our list that we would love to see the Seahawks re-sign. Limiting it to just three, that's not fun. So hopefully the Seahawks will re-sign a lot more than that once we get into free agency. As always, we appreciate you making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. Now make sure to check out Locked On Bets as your second listen. It's your daily one-stop shop for all of your gambling needs. Locked On Bets hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. You can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Rob at Rob Rang. Check out Locked On Seahawks on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Coming up on Wednesday, 
I hate to break it to our listeners, but no more matchup Wednesdays until next August. Going to have a long break from our favorite episode of the week, but we're going to be moving our mailbag to Wednesday. So we'll be answering your questions and we're going to take a first look at Seattle's restricted free agents heading into the 2022 offseason. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the rest of your Tuesday. Go Hawks.